Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Yea, six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, that's number one. God hates pride. It's the root of all sin. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running the mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. He that soweth discord among the brethren. You look at a proud look and then you look at the last one. You don't get to sowing discord among the brethren without pride in your heart. And pride just causes spiritual blindness. And what it does is it causes us to look to our self. It's all self-delusion. It's all self-gratification. That's what pride is. Now, we all know Psalm 14.1, right? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that do it, doeth good. You know what we can't see in our pride? God. So when we go down to the Gay Pride Festival downtown, uh, downtown Cookville, Tennessee, which you can't even believe it's hit the South, but it has. You can't expect them to see what you see. You can't expect them to believe what you believe because they are blinded by pride. And if we saw pride as God saw sees it, then we would see it would reveal our awful, wicked, sinful condition. Psalm 10 says the wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. And all you have is, un, is an unwilling sinner. That's all you got. The same problems that we have in churches are the same problems that we have when we look out and see this lost and dying world. You know what it is? Pride. Yeah, but they're so, I know they're there. So, I know they're so wicked but the same thing that 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 would allow brothers and sisters in Christ to have discord sown the root sin is the same when you look at the alphabet soup crowd <laughs> when you look at their lifestyle it's the same root sin pride are you saying you're grouping us in with I want to be careful because I'm thankful that we're not with that crowd. I understand that even unsaved people think that's an abomination. What I'm saying is pride is so wicked. And it cuts so deep. That it will get people involved in sins that they never thought they would be involved with. And you look at this lost and dying world and what they're doing with this whole. Month. It's a wicked abomination in front of the eyes of a holy God and in front of a Christian crowd. Take Christian crowd out of it. 
They're doing it in front of children. It's an abomination. And we saw in Proverbs chapter number six, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. It's a hard issue. Beat to be swift, running, uh, running the mischief, false witness to speak at lies. He that soweth discord among the brethren. All that has to do with pride. Look at Psalm 10. Psalm 10. We looked at verse number four. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Look at verse number 11. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. So you did have some thought of God, or you wouldn't have said God hath forgotten. You know what the prayer they had? The fool who says in his heart, there is no God. You know what the prayer that they honestly have is? Oh, I hope there's no God. <laughs> That's their prayer. Because if the God of the Bible is true, which I believe it is, if the God of Christianity is true, which you believe that he is, they're sunk. They're sunk. And probably about the hardest thing to do when witnessing to that crowd is keeping your own heart right. I'm telling you, my heart can get wicked real fast. Just put me around that crowd for about three minutes. You try it. <laughs> and I, But I got to check myself the same way you, I'm asking you to check yourself. You better be careful. Better be careful. Pride's the root sin. You don't want to ruin the witness. You don't want to ruin the testimony because pride got in your heart or my heart. But pride's the problem. Um, you don't have to turn there, but some verses that I'll just give you briefly on pride and, 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 and the heart. Second Chronicles 32, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. In Isaiah 9, it talks about pride and stoutness of heart. Jeremiah 48, concerning the pride of Moab, his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. Jeremiah 49, thy terribleness hath deceived thee and the pride of thine heart. Daniel 5. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, Obadiah, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. It's deception. The heart is deceived. Pride rises up and people think that how they're living and what they're doing and their thoughts are OK with God. And they're not. In First Samuel 17, David's older brother Eliab says this. I know thy pride and the haughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see, thou mightest see the battle. David's telling the men, look, God's got our back. We're going to be all right. God's with us. David didn't have the pride. His older brother was prideful. It's misplaced. It even deceives you into thinking that maybe the other person's prideful. When in fact, maybe it's you. That was the problem with Eliab. He's just angry and jealous. He was the one who had pride in his heart. And he's accusing David. What David? Sam. You find out. 
David just simply continued to encourage. And it was misplaced. It was it was seen as wrong. Go to Isaiah 14. Let's see what. Pride did the Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 13. We'll start at verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What is that? Pride. So I purposed in my heart to just preach on love yesterday. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Because all of their thinking is that, well, Christians don't love. And... We're all about love and Christians aren't welcoming. So we're all about unity. So I purpose that I just stick on John 3, 16 and Romans 5, 8. And they received that as about as well as you thought you, you think they would have received it. It wasn't good. It was not good. Well, it was because God's word went for it. But for God so loved the world. God's love is for everyone. And every single one of those sodomites, every, every single one that's part of that queer crowd, they all heard this. God loves you. And let me explain to you how his love works. And, and they heard it. Now, a couple of things that they will say. Um, go back to Genesis chapter number one. Because this crowd, during this whole entire month, they will not shy away from the Bible. They will just use it in their distorted mind, in their distorted view. But they're fine with going to the Bible. It's sad. Because, well, here's what they'll say. That God, he began creating as man and, and women, as man and woman. That's how he began it. But that's not how he ended it. So Genesis chapter number one, it's pretty simple. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And they will say this. There is nothing that indicates in scripture that God only created a male and a female. They'll go to the verse, but that's their reasoning. You say, I can't believe that. Believe that. Believe that. So what's the answer? Well, look at verse number 28. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's a pretty solid indication that God created man and a woman. And then that was it. Because it's pretty clear from scripture that there is no indication at all 
that you can replenish the earth or populate or continue a race without having a man and a woman. That's it. Look at verse number 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So apparently, every gender that God made was completed before the end of chapter 2 in the book of Genesis. Everything would include everything that God created during those six days. Would you, would you agree with that? That's a pretty clear indication that God only created two genders. That's it. Male and female. Now, when you get to Genesis chapter 19. They say, well, Sodom in Genesis chapter 19, God was just against all the violence. He wasn't against necessarily the acts they were doing. He was just against really violence. I said, well, that's not what God says. He says the whole thing was wicked. The acts included. And they don't want to hear that. But look at verse number seven. God says, uh, and Lot went out of the door under them and shut the door after him. In verse number seven and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. What was do not so wickedly? The unnatural sin and the unnatural acts that they were involved with. Not just about violence. God's against all sin, all iniquity. By the way, that lifestyle often leads to violence. Go to Leviticus chapter number 18. I can't believe people even think this way. They do think this way. They do. Because they go to liberal churches and they open up a liberal Bible and they get liberal thinking. And none of it's based on scripture. It's all based on man's idea of scripture and man's ideas. And they're just using the Bible. They're just using God to get what they want. The lust of their flesh fulfilled. And this thing has gotten so bad that we're about back to Genesis 19. We're going to see that in a minute. But Leviticus 18, look at verse number 19. Concerning the nation, God says, Also thou shalt not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for uncleanness. Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of the seed pass through the fire of Molech. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. They say, well, it was really just about... All that stuff in Leviticus, it's just about the nation really wanting to keep the, 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 the population of the race going. And so that was for that time. And it really wasn't God saying he's against that, except you couldn't read the passage and come away with that. 
you have to completely change the passage and find some Greek tweaked manuscript somewhere that would give you a pass to say, well, God's not really against that. You couldn't come up with that thought by just reading the Bible. And neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself wherewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there on two. It is confusion. And you think this is bad? Wait till they start bringing their barnyard animals down the Gay Pride Festival. You think it's you think yesterday was bad? You can't stop the wickedness. God will. The only way you're going to be able to stop the wickedness is by preaching the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he, until he penetrates their heart, all you're going to do, all we're going to have is a misplaced hope of change. Hope and change we can believe in. I've got it right here. I've got it right here. And that's what I'm putting my hope in, what God said. Um, you know, pass through the fire to Molech. Yesterday, downtown Cookville, Tennessee. I know some of you senior saints in your 90s and 70s can't believe it. In the town that you grew up. I know you can't believe it. They had children, little children, passing through the fire of Molech, handing $1 bills. Parents are allowing their children to do this to perverted, half-naked drag queens. Our country sunk! And you know how many Bible-believing preachers were out there from Putnam County? That'd be none! Yeah, that's right. But God sent three teenage boys that were curious about what was going down there. And I recruited, recruited those boys to help me out. I don't know if they were all saved or half of them were saved. I don't know. But I know they had gospel tracks in their hand. And by the time I was done with them, I said, you fellas start handing these tracks out. And you keep an eye on me and you keep the camera rolling. <laughs> okay. And I don't know if it was the thrill of them just seeing perverts yell and scream and curse at me, <laughs> which could, could be rather amusing. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of something I'd probably sign up for as a, as a young adult. But God makes a way. I don't know how he makes the way. He just does. Perfect example of that was yesterday and Romans 1 says likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another passing through the fire to Molech they're sacrificing their children to false gods and it's exactly what was happening it's happening throughout this whole month may I remind you it's not limited to one month well what do we do is the seed the word of God? That's what we should be planting. That's what we should be sowing. The word of God. 
Where do they get all this stuff from? The United Methodist Church. Grace Point Church. Where's that? Nashville, Tennessee. And we can just go on down the line. Yeah. That's where they're getting it from. Ministers, so-called ministers of the word of God that aren't ministers of the word of God. They're teaching doctrines of devils. Now, I heard this one yesterday. I don't know if you've heard this. The Bible never condoned homosexuality until 1946. Oh, really? <laughs> Enlighten me on this. You know where they got it? The United Methodist Church. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, and I'll tell you. I was so intrigued by this one that I looked it up. So it'll take 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I don't know what they do with all the other verses. They either take them out or just rephrase them. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. And they'll say, well, this is just men who shaved their beards or that grew their hair long. And so they're just in that cultural society. They're just acting in a way that wasn't culturally manly. So it would just be unmanly. Um, and then to fight and argue with you, they'll say, so are you just saying that a man with a beard or with long hair can't en enter the kingdom of God? Yeah, these, these are the arguments that they use from the Bible. From the Bible. Because their mind is so distorted. Their view of scripture is so messed up. That it's okay in God's eyes to be effeminate. Because after all, the God of love wouldn't send a man with long hair to hell, would he? And then it says, oh, okay. Uh, uh, no, uh, lost my spot. Where am I? Okay. Verse number nine, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And all that really means is. A verse against pedophilia. All that means is men shouldn't abuse young boys. May I remind you this morning. Well, may I remind you again. They had young boys and little children being involved in the whole part of that festival. One leads to the other. One leads to the other. We are talking about wicked, vile, abominable sin before a holy God. And the children in the United States of America are being brought up by parents and ministers who say it's okay. The problem, yeah, the problem is the world. Don't get me wrong. The bigger problem is ministers, falsely so-called ministers. So their entire argument has to be that that was just the cultural norms for first century Corinthians. 
<clears throat> Go to First Timothy chapter number two. I hope we're okay this morning. I hope, I hope we're okay. First Timothy chapter number two. I'd much rather work a family event. I'd much rather witness the people that are happy to receive a gospel track, even if they throw it out or don't read it. I would much rather preach and teach about how great God is, and he is, and we do preach that. I don't like thinking about this stuff. But if I don't compel you to think about it, you might think, well, it's really not that bad. Sin really hasn't affected us that much. Oh, it has. It has. So I spoke to this one lady, and she had piercings all over, tattoos all over, skin all over. And you try to get all that stuff out of your mind, and it doesn't help, and you always <laughs> bring it back up. But she, she, she was so angry. Angry at me, angry at God, and angry at the unwelcoming church. You know why? Because her mother wanted to be a preacher. And the unwelcoming, mean church told her that women can't be preachers. Second Timothy, or First Timothy, First Timothy chapter number two. Verse number nine. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Now, you didn't see any of that yesterday, but you know what you saw? Women that want to be men dressed in britches and men that wanted to be women. You know how they were dressed? With dresses. Where do you get that? By not dressing modestly. That's where you get it. That's where you get it. They're going to come out and have a, you know, they're gender confused. They're gender confused. They don't seem to be confused about their dress when they go to these queer festivals. You know how many men were yelling and screaming at me? They were wearing dresses. Let's go to Walmart, fellas, after church and say, can you please show us the men's dress section, please? I'd like to shop for some blouses. What type of tomfoolery have we gotten ourselves into? With shamefacedness and sobriety, shamefacedness is thrown out the window, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. We need some women, and we've got some women here, praise God, that are professing good works and full of godliness. Keep it up, ladies. The strength of a local church, believe it or not, has a lot to do. <laughs> it doesn't have a... We want the preaching of the word of God. That's a given. I'm not trying to make light of that. But the sweet spirit and the attitude and the camaraderie and the fellowship that the ladies have just brings an element of godliness. We need some model Christian women that can create and inculcate that spirit 
so that when young women come in that are completely confused and have no idea anything about biblical Christianity, they'd say, man, there's something about those ladies here. There's something about the sweet fellowship they have. Women professing godliness. And here's the verse that they don't like. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. There's so many things here that they have turned away from because they don't like the idea of a man and a woman. So the apparel train changes, the dress code changes. This is in the context here of teaching. We're not going to have a lady come up and preach to teach the word of God to a mixed assembly. If she wants to teach, there's women that she can teach. If she wants to teach, she can get with Sister Chrissy and see about getting uh, on the Sunday school teaching program. And if women have that gift from God, then have them teach the children. We need strong women in the Lord that can teach the Bible. But you're not preaching it to the congregation. It's not God being mean. It's God saying there's man and there's woman. I have roles for each. I don't like one more than the other. There's just different lanes I've created for you. And God says, hey, I want you to stay in your lane. You come out of your lane, things start to get mixed up. So what they have done is they have violated the scripture in so many ways. And so her mother was able to shake her fist at God and usurp her authority over the word of God and over the man. And that is not just a single case. It's all over. You think Paula White and uh, Beth Moore and uh, who's the other one that looks like she had 100 times plastic surgery on her? Uh, I can't think of her name. You know what they all come out in? A pet suit. So they all come out and preach him. Pretty soon we're going to have Joel bringing out his next book. He's going to come out with, 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 with a blouse on. We are, we, are, we are going down that road where these ministers, men, will come out dressing like women. The same way these women ministers come out and they dress like a man. And they're going to usurp their authority. And God says it's just out of line. It's out of order. Out of order. Adam and Eve, we see that at the end of the verse there in 13. It's male and female. That's what God created. That is his order. That is the completion of the genders, male and female, and then that would be it. I'm confused. Okay. You're confused because you're talking to liberal ministers or you're talking to college professors that hate God or you're talking about or you're talking to your friends or your parents who have never cracked open the Bible except to correct it. That's why people are confused. If you just opened the Bible and read it for yourself, it really would fix a lot of confusion. None of these outreaches would be complete until you hear the argument, hell isn't real. Which is another way to numb their conscience. 
so you can get done. You do some you do some open air preaching. You talk about hell and, and eternal torment, and God doesn't want you to go there. And He made a way for you by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, and even before you start the preaching, you, you talk to Him. Hey, have you have you know the Bible says for all of sin, you know have have you ever sinned? And uh, then they, they, you know, they'll start yelling and screaming at me about why are you against homosexuality? Why are you against queers? Why are you against what we're doing here? I said, you're bringing that up. I said, I didn't mention homosexuality, LGBTQ, sodomites, queer agenda. I didn't mention it once, but you keep bringing it up to me. All I'm asking you is, have you ever sinned? Let's start with something simple that we can all can agree. On. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah. What would that make you? Well, it depends. What are you lying for? Okay. Have you ever looked with lust? Yeah. That's why they're there. <laughs> they keep bringing it up. Why? Because deep down they know it's wrong. They do festivals like that. They get together with their crowd because it makes them feel like, well, they got to double down on what they believe. So as a way with dealing with the fact that, well, their conscience has been seared, they start to process things. Well, hell couldn't be real. So when you tell them that the Bible says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's not really what it means. So I spoke with this boy after, and he was adamant about there is no hell. It's just annihilation. When we die, that's it. And so I went to this verse, and I said, let's read it. Apparently, if you read it, well, that's not what it means in Hebrew. Okay, then let's have this conversation in Hebrew. You go first. <laughs> that boy don't know a lick of Hebrew. <laughs> he just knows he found one word that he wants to use the rest of the scripture to his own destruction. I said, God prepared that place for the devil and the devil angels. Now, who do you want to follow? You know what else he's got prepared? He's prepared a place for you. Now, if you want to go to that place, it's been prepared for you. And then you tell them how. And you try to weave it back to what is the most important thing for them to go away with. Um, Jude 7. Turn, turn there because this is a good verse as well. And all oh, you should have a, an app on your phone so that you can go to verses quickly. And you can have that available so when you're talking to somebody. You go to Bible. If you don't have a little pocket Bible or your regular Bible with you, make sure you have an app on your phone so that you can search it real quick. If you're not sure or if you are sure, you can get there real quick and you can say, OK, let's read this together. So you're fighting over the word of God. You're not fighting with each other. You let the book. You let the book do the speaking for you. But Jude 7. Um, it says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities." About them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example 
watch this, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, that's not really what God means when he says that. Okay, well, that's what I read and that's what it says. So you and I have a choice. We can either approach the Bible and say, okay, I'll read it and believe it. Or we can approach the Bible and read it and say, well, I have a philosophy and a lifestyle, so I got to switch that to fit what I believe. And that's been the downfall of man ever since. But, well, everybody knows the, the strongest argument they have for there is no hell is Luke 16 is what? Just a parable. It's just a parable. So I, I said, okay, well, let's see if it's a parable. Let's go to Luke 16. Let's go to Luke 16. So I went to Luke 16 with him and I said, okay, let's read this together. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And we went through this and I said, we read this passage. I don't see anywhere where the Lord Jesus Christ uses the word like or as. And I don't see anywhere where he says or indicates that hell being spoken of here is a parable. You know why it has to be a parable for them? Because if it isn't a parable for them, then hell is real. And there is a chance that they will be suffering eternal torment. And so they don't want it to be anything else but a parable. Now, when you go uh, Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 8, Luke 11, Luke 15, 16, Luke 18, Luke 21. You know what Jesus says? I speak unto you a parable. So I said to the boy, I said, you think God's trying to confuse you? I said, if he wants you to know it's a parable, it's going to illustrate something. He is going to tell you, hey, look, this is a parable. And you're going to have to dig some, you're going to have to do some digging. It's a parable. Or he'll say like or as. God's not trying to trick, trick you. So through the whole book of Luke, you can see things that are parables, things that aren't parables. And Luke 16, we're talking about a real literal hell that real people will go there. And I said, you know what's interesting about the passage? The rich man in hell, what doesn't he have? A name. I said, oh, please. I am not here to tell you that I want you to go to hell. I am here to tell you I don't want you to go to hell. Because if you go there, God won't even know your name. All right, he's going to humble himself and we're going to move forward. And that didn't happen. And that didn't happen. And we can either get upset, hold up our tent and go home and quit. Or we can say, you know what? Just pray for that boy. Pray for that crowd. And we did what we were called to do. Why are you judging us? I'm not judging you. They all know Matthew 7, the first two words. 
Judge not. And that's it. I mean, but they got that down. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to save you from the judgment of God. I didn't show up and somehow you're condemned. You are already under the condemnation of God. I am standing here not as your judge. And I told him, I said, you are not standing here as my judge and I'm not standing here as your judge. I am standing here on the witness stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not judging you. I am trying to stand in the way of you driving your life into hell for eternity. And I am putting what Jesus Christ did for you and his cross between you and hell. And I am standing as the witness for him. You know what you need to do? Same thing. You won't keep them out of hell, but you need to stand on the witness stand and say, I testify for the Lord Jesus Christ. I stand as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he did. He came into the world. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and bled out for your sins and for mine. And he offers salvation freely and he will save you by his grace if you would only receive it. It's the cross of Christ that stands between them and him. The whole crowd, the whole crowd is surfing there as fast as they can. And what's even sadder is when you see the children. Psalm 11 says, God judgeth the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. God hates wickedness and he hates abominations. My question this morning is, what are we going to do about it? Well, you're the preacher, Brother Jimmy. What are you going to do about it? No, 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 no. What are we to do about what if I didn't come back from that parade yesterday it was pretty vile it was pretty rough I had asked them a few times to keep their hands off me. what's going to happen it's not the preacher's job it's our job it's our job I'm not talking about the 70 and 80 and 90 year olds. I'm not talking about the young women and the young children. I'm not talking about the wives. There's a time and a place for all that. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is there are other crowds to go to <laughs> that are at equal struggle with pride that might not be living that lifestyle. But who's going to tell? Who's going to tell? That's why I say we, because we should be what? Team. We should be a team. Soldiers and soldierettes for Christ. All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.